Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in. Well, we are excited about today's episode, but before we move any further, a lot of people have asked, uh, Ginny talked about this crazy goal that she had in Mm. 2019. And so we just want to pause for a second and give you the opportunity to unpack (laughs) that goal and how it all worked out for you. It's kind of a lofty goal. Yes, I got many messages about it. Like, are you really going to read 52 books in a year while you have five kids and while you move them halfway across the country? I totally failed. I absolutely failed. It was a big goal. You did not fail. Fail we, is no. a strong word. Fail is a very strong word. For Perfectionists would say, yes, they failed, <laughs> which is, you might be one. But I would say you didn't fail. You read 42 books. I read 42. I came in just shy books. of my goal of 52. So I haven't read 42 books in my whole <laughs> life. So good job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I learned a lot from attempting 52. Okay. And I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to make that same kind of goal. I'm just going to read as many as I can and not shoot for a number. That was what I learned the hard way. Okay. So why are we talking about books today? We're talking about it because on today's episode, I'm very excited to announce that we're chatting with the author of one of my very favorite books of all the 42 that I read in 2019. His name is Pete Gregg, and his book is How to Pray. It's incredible. Yeah, you guys are going to love Pete. He's actually a best-selling author. He's a senior pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Guilford, England. So he's got a nice, fun accent. You guys will enjoy that. (laughs) He's also the founder of the 24-7 Prayer Movement, which has really reached so many people, almost literally half of the nations on the earth. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, this was one I could not stop talking about. I mean, you can attest. (laughs) I could not stop quoting it to my husband and sending it to my friends and teaching it to my kids. So it was quite an honor to sit across from Pete and share in this rich conversation about prayer. The legacy of your life is your prayer life. It's mostly what happens in the privacy of your alone time with God that determines not just the outcome of your life, but the substance of your life. During our time today, Pete shares four simple steps that will guide us in our approach to prayer and our time with God. He's also going to talk about the importance of being honest in our prayer, such a key component for all of our lives. And he's going to talk about the power of getting still in God's presence. Such a great conversation. Listen in. All right. Well, Pete, welcome to the show. We're glad you're here today. Thanks for having me. So for those of you, I know we talked about it in the intro, but Pete is a pastor in England. He kickstarted a prayer movement back in 1999 that's still going strong today. He's written a bunch of books on prayer, including his new book called How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. Are we normal? Uh, no. I hope we're normal. Um, so we're so excited to have you on the show today, Pete, to talk about how to pray. Gosh, I love a good how-to. So we're going to talk about that. But before we jump into the how-to of prayer, we just want to get to know you a little bit. So how did you become the prayer guy? Oh, by accident. It's, ter- <laughs> it's a terrible accident. Honestly, I kind of stumbled into becoming a pastor. My wife and I, uh, we started planting churches. And then we realized that the key to everything is prayer, and we were terrible at it. And it was our guilty secret. 
And so back in 99, we just started a night and day prayer room to try and learn how to pray. And we weren't trying to get into the Guinness Book of Records, you know, or anything like that. We were just a local church trying to learn to pray. Then God showed up in the prayer room. Miracles started to happen. And the thing began to spread. And now we're in, I think, two thirds of the nations on earth. And it's this weird thing that I'm chatting to people like you and I'm the prayer guy. But it all began with holding up my hands and going, I find this really difficult. Yeah, that's so incredible. Did you grow up a Christian? Did you grow up in the church? Or how did you encounter Christ? How did that whole thing happen? Yeah, so I I did and my wife didn't. So I think we're quite a good team. Um, We've got kind of the strengths and weaknesses of both. So uh, my dad got saved at University at Oxford University and was cut out of the family will when he gave his life to Jesus uh, and paid a real price. And some of my earliest memories actually would be seeing my dad kneeling by his bedside with his hands clasped, talking to his father in heaven. And it made a, a deep impact on, on me as a kid. And then, um, you know, Sammy, my, my wife, she grew up in a completely non-church family. And she encountered Christ when she was 17 years old and her life was in a major, major mess. You know, she was honestly, this is the truth. She was she was dating seven guys when she got saved, didn't know it was wrong. And then um, someone challenged her on it. So she cut down to just two, two guys, um, which, which, you know, may not sound very holy, but it, it, it was pretty sacrificial at the time. Five of them she acts, and then she 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 narrowed down to just me. So I'm 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 you know I'm thrilled to be the winner here. You won. That's great. Made the cut. That's awesome. <laughs> so when did you guys encounter each other? Because I'd love to hear just you know I mean obviously yeah this was '99 was I mean that's a while ago we're looking at what yeah what was that twenty plus years ago. So yeah, yeah. I mean, how does how does a couple look at each other and say, uh, "Let's just start this thing"? You you didn't come from church, I did. Like, talk to me about that dynamic there. Well, you know, if you stop and think about it for a second, prayer really is. It's not just a thing Christians do. It's just what humans do. Like that, you know, you have a say a bad medical crisis, and we've had our share of those you pray. You don't think, I'm not going to pray. I have a prayer problem. You cry out to God. And no one stands under the the northern lights and says, aren't I incredible, right? There's something in us that worships, that cries out to God. And and one day, of course, for every single one of us, we will be standing on this, you know, the split second before the flat line. And it won't matter what's on your resume. It will be you and God. And the gap between you is all that counts. So, Somewhere along the line, we have to learn how to be with God, how to listen to God, how to talk to him. And, of course, we'd all like to see a few more miracles as well. Mm, That's so good. So let's jump into it. Let's talk about how to pray. And I love there's four steps that you kind of unpack in the book. Pause, rejoice, ask and yield um, using the PRAY acronym. And I love that you say to think of these four steps not as a ladder to get to God, but more like a dance, more like dance steps that bring us, um, but bring an elegant form and rhythm to our time of prayer. So could you lead us through those steps and kind of um, give us that how-to for prayer? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I want to make prayer simple. I think prayer is, is a normal thing to do. And so this is this is like say you're just sitting down and you 
a chair or you're out walking or you've locked yourself in the bathroom to try and you know get a bit of space from the kids we've got uh, this is a simple process and it goes like this pause that just means just be still and know that god is god before you rush in with your like your, your amazon wish list just just pause and remember that he's present sometimes i think we think that prayer is trying to get god to show up but Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So it's us that's not present to God. It's not God that's absent to us. So that might just be a minute of stillness. Um, take some deep breaths. Relax. You know, sometimes in the book I talk about just how to, how to use a simple prayer phrase to help center your scattered thoughts. So uh, and that's the bit that actually a lot of people have said they found most helpful in the book is is how to be still because we are strung out on dopamine hits and caffeine and everything else. Right. So pause. And then R is, is rejoice. Just spend a bit of time giving thanks to God. And you can, you know, read a psalm or, you know, get Spotify out and put on whatever worship playlist you want to use. Count your blessings. And, uh, you know, the story I tell in the book is. You know, sometimes if I've been traveling away for a week or two and I get through the front door and the kids, you know, when they were little, if I heard them upstairs, I came through the door that they would sometimes be yelling at each other. And I'm anticipating a hero's welcome. And instead, they're just, you know, kids yelling. I don't know if you can relate to this at all. <laughs> Briefly, just, maybe. maybe just just slightly. <laughs> And then you suddenly hear, they would hear me downstairs and I'd be greeted after, say, two weeks on the road with, Dad, what's for dinner? Or, you know, Dad, tell my brother to share, you know. And I would just go, hello, nice to be home. And then they would go silent. And you can imagine them saying, oh, yeah, the old man's been away, hasn't he? And they kind of came downstairs all sheepish. And then they would look up to me, give me a little hug. How was your trip? And I'd tell them it was very good. And then they'd say, what's for dinner? And I just figure it's like that with God. It's good, you know, to enter his courts with praise. It's good to, to just pause and focus on him and give him a smile and give him a little of your affection before you rush in. I didn't mind them asking what's for dinner. They're my kids, right? And then A is ask. That's a bit we all find pretty easy. And I talk about petition and intercession and unanswered prayer. Like, how do you get your head around the... The miracles God doesn't do. And why do we need to ask God for stuff when he's all loving and all powerful and all that? And then why is yield? And if you're teaching these kids, just swap that tricky word yield for yes. This is what you just say yes to God. So you ask him, what are you telling me to say? I'll, I'll say it. What are you telling me to do? I'll do it. Maybe this is a bit where you repent. You, you get your, your heart right before God. And, and you remember even if he hasn't answered your prayers, he's still God and you're not. So that's the, that's the simple process. Pause, rejoice, ask, yield. But as you said at the start, it's like dance steps. So if you just get stuck on pause, like sometimes I would just sit in silence before the Lord and I won't really get around to saying very much. And I used to worry that I hadn't really prayed. And now I think that's probably the best kind of praying there is. So, uh, yeah, there, there you go. That's, that's the simple process. And what's cool is you can teach this to a five-year-old and they can do it. Or you could spend a whole weekend retreat going yeah. through that process. I love it. I think, you know, I grew up, we're kind of the opposite of you and Sammy. I grew up in the church every day of the week, you know, and, and Chris did not. So when we, we come together. I, that's... I can tell. I can tell. Oh, <laughs> it's real. It's all over us, bro. It is so real. 
<laughs> I'm holding on her coattails for all the whole no, way. <laughs> I, no, I think like you said, there's so there's strengths and weaknesses to both for sure. Um, yeah. But I, I want to ask you about the pause. I want to go back to the, the right. pause. Um, there's a story that you tell about a greyhound. And I am telling you, I have told so many people that story because unfortunately I can really resonate with that greyhound. But I... <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing there's some people that are in that camp with me. So could you tell that story? Yeah, I'll try. Yeah, we, <laughs> we live in a beautiful English city with this high street that's cobbled and goes down to a river. And I was walking down it one day and I suddenly heard this weird sound. It was like a dog barking. It was a, a zinging kind of clanging sound and shouting. And then this greyhound appeared around the corner and it still had its leash attached to its collar and the leash was attached to one of those metal bistro chairs. And so obviously, you know, they're highly strung, aren't they, greyhounds? The owner is, I don't know, in a cafe ordering a flat white or something, <laughs> has diligently tied his stupid dog up to this metal chair. The dog has jumped at something or other. It's made the chair jump, which is scary. So that has made the greyhound pounce and then the chair must have pounced. So then the dog starts running and the chair starts rising up and biting its butt and people are screaming, get the dog, get the dog. And it's probably still running right now, that stupid dog. <laughs> and, and what did it need to do? All it needs to do is stop. Yes. And everything will come back into perspective. And it seems to me that most of us live most of our lives chased by herds of metal bistro chairs and they are biting our butts and we're running for our lives and God just comes into the madness of our lives and says be still you know the master says lie down he makes me lie down in green pastures it's like there's a forcefulness to it sit down be still and when we do that so often all the irrational fears and things that drive us come back into perspective. Yeah, that is such a powerful story. I, I came home telling Chris about it. It's so it's amazing to realize that so many of the things that we think that we're just terrified of, if we just pause, if we create that space for silence and solitude in God's presence, we realize it's just a metal bistro chair that I'm beating myself with because I'm running around frantic. It's not even real. Um, right. Can you give a little bit more practical tools yeah. for pausing? I think it's yeah. just the issue of our day mm -hmm. right now. We're And in this season, I know we have a lot of young families listening with a lot of kids. Everybody's got activities. We're running all over town. We're just a, basically a taxi service, dropping them off from here to there. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find that time, to carve out that time to pause. But it's literally the answer to our peace and the joy that we're lacking. How do we practice? Yeah. Do that. Well, you know, if you've got young kids, the first thing is find the cracks in your day, because especially if, the, if your kids are little, it's not a time in your life you're going to find it easy to sort of have like an hour of peace and quiet. Right. And and, and when they do finally go to bed, you're exhausted. So it might be, say, you're on the school run and there's that bit where instead of turning the radio on, it's like you've got three minutes with God, or it might be just locking yourself in the bathroom for a while. Susanna Wesley, John and Charles Wesley's mum, who had, I, I, I don't know, it's like 10 kids or something. She used to put her apron over her head 
And the kids all knew that meant she was having her quiet time. <laughs> do not disturb her, right? So find the cracks in your day and realize it's probably going to be quality, not quantity, if you've got young kids. And don't beat yourself up. But then the really practical stuff I say in the book is, first of all, just get comfortable and become aware if there's any tension or stress anywhere in your body and deliberately relax in that area. You know, some people carry it in their shoulders or their belly, you know, different parts. Because our praying is about us as people, not just kind of a spiritual bit of us. You don't park your body and go pray. We come before God as, as us, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, take some deep breaths. There are some people in some parts of your great nation who are trying to ban my book because I teach some breathing techniques and they think it's new age and dodgy. But honestly, if you need a Bible verse for breathing well, you're in deep trouble. It's a good thing to do. Like it puts oxygen to your vital organs. It helps you relax, take some deep breaths. When you're stressed, you, you shallow breathe, which means less oxygen is getting to your brain <laughs> and other vital organs. Take some deep breaths. It's not scary. It's just good advice. And then, you know, a lot of people just say, take a simple prayer phrase and repeat it as a way of just focusing in on that moment. So uh, the Franciscans, their prayer phrase is my God and my all, my God and my all, my God and my all. It could be, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I could be praying in tongues if you have that gift. But just find a way of praying to focus your thoughts. And then the final practical tip is, um, and let me say again, this you might just do this for a minute. I mean, it might be that you do it for an hour, but you might, I don't want to put a heavy thing on anyone, but you will get distractions. The moment you try and be still, your brain will go crazy with remembering all the stuff you're supposed to do. And I always just see it like you're sitting in a boat on a lake and everything's gone serene and the, like the moon's reflecting on the water and it's beautiful. And then some idiot in a speedboat comes rushing past, right? It just, you know, that thought comes to you, whatever. And if you get up and start yelling or give chase, you ain't going to get any peace back. You need to just stay still, keep doing the breathing, the relaxing, the simple praying, and actually everything will become serene again. So, yeah, you know, there's a bunch of really simple stuff that even someone like me who's an activist and has a lot on my plate i'm learning to be still and it's essential it's essential to your mental and spiritual well-being to learn to do this such good advice okay so you know what i loved is you said before we even jumped on here this is this book's 20 years in the making you know you've been walking this prayer journey out and so i know there's people listening who maybe just stepped into the faith or like discovering jesus for the first time right and they're and then they've got a They've got a record player playing in their head about what it means or what they're hearing when it comes to prayer. And then there's this other side of these people who've just been around for a long time and prayer has become just this checkbox on the deal. So could you just take a second right. and speak to those different people and how maybe encourage them, give them some just kind of like one thing that nugget they can hold on to to either ignite it for the first time in their hearts or reignite that that first love they had when they discovered Christ many years ago? You know, the best advice I was ever given about prayer was this. Keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. Right? That is the best advice. So keep it simple. You know, Jesus encouraged us to come to the Father as children. Right? So, you know, your prayer life is at its best, not when you're praying big, 
complex, gnarly prayers occasionally, but when you're praying simple little conversational prayers continually. You'll see more miracles that way as well. If you only ever pray about really big problems in the world, you hardly see any miracles. If you learn to pray about the details of each day, like give me a parking lot in the rain outside Walmart, you know, then you're going to be the kind of crazy person who gives thanks to God for a patch of concrete in the rain outside Walmart. So keep it simple. Then the next thing is keep it real. Be honest with God about how you're really feeling. He he couldn't care less about your religious self. He wants you. And so, uh, you know, what is it? Half, two-thirds of the book of Psalms is lament. It's blues. It's not folk guitar. It's not happy clappy. You know, be honest with God about what you're really thinking. Remember Jesus told that story about you know, the Pharisee and the tax collector who go up to the temple. And the Pharisee's like an idiot, right? He's like, oh, thank you that I'm not like that other man. Like, he thinks he's impressing God. <laughs> as if God doesn't see him sitting on the toilet, you know. And then you've got the, the tax collector who's there, like, rocking in the corner, weeping, going, you know, have mercy on me. And then Jesus looks around the crowd, and I think he winks at a couple of the people in the crowd when he says, this he just goes who do you think like went home heard by the father so he wants us to be real with him and a lot of people i think find prayer hard because they are trying to pray like someone else does it you've got to learn to pray the way god made you you know and don't worry too much about the rules and then the final thing is keep it simple keep it real keep it up sometimes you just got to keep stacking dominoes and eventually the whole lot comes down. And it's not because you suddenly found that the secret source or the right formula. It's just you didn't give up praying one prayer too soon. So, you know, and we don't find that easy, of course. The perseverance thing is tough. But keep it simple. Keep it real. Keep it up. That's what I say to people. And they're brand new Christians. And, you know, and some people who've been around the block a few times seem to find it helpful as well. It so is. Good. It's very good. All right. What, what? Let's talk about just the reality of maybe people who go go to prayer, go deep into prayer. They're fighting for something, and they experience like disappointment. The prayer is unans- yeah. unanswered. How do we deal with that disappointment? You know, the the Bible is more honest than the church about disappointments in prayer. So we got to change that. Um, it's amazing what didn't get redacted out of the text in the Bible. Jesus himself still lives with at least one unanswered prayer, right? In John chapter 17, he prayed the church would be united. And last time I looked, that hasn't happened. So if Jesus can live with an unanswered prayer, the first thing to say is, it's okay for us too. Like, you haven't been hired to do God's PR for him, you know? Like, he's not insecure around atheists. Just be honest. Um, So there's a culture thing there. Then the second thing is, um, uh, we always want God to airlift us out of our problems like we call those miracles of course we do we get sick we ask for a miracle we, one of our kids is an interest in faith we pray that they return to the lord we always pray for miracles and, and sometimes those do do happen but c.s lewis says you know miracles actually have to be rarer than most pastors make out by definition for a lot of reasons we can talk about it if you want and I fully believe in miracles. And the book is full of miracles. My real question is why so many miracles do happen. But um, there are plenty that don't happen. So we always want God to airlift us out of our problems. More often in my experience, he parachutes in and joins us in the midst of the problems. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear not evil, for thou art with me. It's like 
we want God to airlift us out of the valley of the shadow of death, and he parachutes in and walks with us through it. So even if you are asking profound questions of God, at least accept that he is with you in the midst of it. And my wife has had a chronic illness for 20 years now, 19 years, and um, has nearly died a number of times. And I don't fully know why. I don't fully understand that. I, I don't know why God does some miracles and not others. But I, I do know this. We have experienced him with us in the midst of it. And I also know that if I get rid of God, it doesn't make anything better. It makes everything worse. If I get rid of God, there's no real hope. And her suffering doesn't really mean anything. It just means that, well, we're highly evolved animals clinging to a rock in a meaningless universe in which, according to Darwin, if someone is you know, physically unwell, they deserve to die out of the gene pool. So it's not like a massively encouraging alternative. So no matter how hard I find it to cling on to my trust in God's goodness and God's love sometimes, it's better than the alternative. That's so good. There's an example you use in the book about having permission to bring our disappointments to God in an honest way. And I, I wonder if you would tell the story. It's when you're in the hospital, I think, and there's a friend that comes to pray with you and you find yourself fighting for Sammy. Um, could you tell that story? Yeah. Um, I don't even know when our conversation turned into prayer, but a friend came just to stand with me because... Sammy was facing brain surgery and we didn't know if she would survive it. And I knew I was kind of a good Christian. I was meant to pray this prayer, not my will, but yours be done. But what I actually found myself saying to God is, I don't care what your will is. I, I'm going to tell you right now what my will is. My will is that my wife doesn't die. My will is that my kids don't grow up without a memory of their mom. But that's my will. And if you've got something written on some heavenly wall planner saying it's your time to take my wife from me, I will fight you for her. And I was like sobbing and yelling and it was pretty irreverent. And my friend was just looking awkward. I don't think he knew whether it was even okay to say amen to these kinds of prayers. And then afterwards and once she came through the brain surgery and survived i kind of went back to god feeling a bit sheepish like i'm really sorry i know i was supposed to pray this amazing prayer of relinquishment like cory ten boom or you know mother Teresa or something but i, I just clenched my fists and like went <laughs> and i really felt like the father said to me i love that you prayed like that because i love her too and you were never fighting me for her. We were fighting together for her. And, you know, it is important to understand that prayer isn't just your will and God's will. There is also a, an enemy at work in our world. And when a kid dies of leukemia or a woman gets raped, that is not the will of God. So you'd better have a pretty strong cosmology that understands that. You know, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. So, yeah, I think we need to be more honest with God in prayer. I think we can handle it. And, you know, most people's biggest problem with prayer is God. They just don't think God's kind and they don't think God likes them. And that was a moment where I realized God is kind and he's on my side and he doesn't expect me to be polite all the time any more than I expect my own kids to be polite all the time. I love that. 
I think the you know what's neat is the the Bible's chock full of some folks doing real battle with God. No, no, let's do this, Lord, and yeah, and that's real and it's authentic, and that that was where you were living. So we've kind of hit on this disappointment train. Let's talk about the miracle side of things. You know, you talk yeah. about how you've seen miracles over the years through yeah. prayer. Give us a good story. Give us a good couple miracles. You go like clearly that was God through prayer. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, that's much more fun. Yeah, <laughs> you know, one of the coolest ones, I, I wrote a book before this one, How before I wrote How to Pray, uh, I wrote a book called Dirty Glory. And that is back-to-back miracles. And some of them will, like, fry your noodles. Uh, like, for example, the, the, the woman who heads up 24-7 prayer in Switzerland, she had thousands of Swiss francs materialize in her cleaning cupboard in her kitchen on three separate occasions and on one of them she was standing outside when it happened and there is no possible rational explanation god just put this heavenly atm into a small room in her house for a season and 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 that was interesting because when i went to and this isn't like one of those christian stories that's an urban myth like she's my friend i have sat with her i i'm a fairly rational person and we have tried to find every single rational explanation uh and there isn't one and we had the banknotes checked we we talked to the police we, i mean it's just there's, there's no explanation and, and when i said to god okay i've got a cleaning cupboard like <laughs> i you know why don't you do that for me god said because that stuff's easy for me i relationships are the tricky thing i want you to need people i want people to need you i want you to talk to people <laughs> you know our problem with god most of the time is we expect him to be weird why should he be weird by definition he created normality god's not weird he's more normal he comes to us disguised as our own kids you know he comes to us disguised as our own thoughts he comes to us disguised as a song on the radio and most of us miss God most of the time because we think he's got to be religious and weird. I think he comes to us clothed in normality. Yeah, that's so good. There's another, I'm going to quote you again. I'm just keep doing it because I just finished reading it. So it's fresh in my mind. But um, one of the things I put the book down and I said, listen to this, babe. We were on an airplane coming back from Colorado. You said, who you become is determined by how you pray. Ultimately, the transcript of your prayers become the script of your life. Can you unpack that a little bit and maybe give some encouragement or direction um, in what, what you're saying there, what that means for us? Yeah, the legacy of your life is your prayer life. I suppose like an iceberg. It's, it's mostly what happens in the privacy of your alone time with God that determines not just the outcome of your life, but the substance of your life. And uh, I know a lot of parents listen to this podcast. The most valuable thing you will ever do for your own children is to pray for them. And if I can challenge particularly dads out there, it's amazing to me how many dads are amazing. I mean, they pour themselves out, they work hard, they serve, they're kind, but they don't really pray in any kind of diligent way for their kids. So they're committed to providing for their own kids emotionally and materially but not spiritually and you can't just outsource that to the church i'm not trying to be heavy on anyone but i just think we've got to get a vision for the fact that that our kids futures will be shaped by the prayers the deals we do with god the things we imagine with god the ways we persevere with god on their behalf someone once said 
my people's greatest need is my personal holiness. I think there's something in your in your relationship with God that defines everything else about you. That's so good. I love it. I love, I love it. it. All right. Well, we love to close out every episode with three questions, and it goes like this. What's a book that's impacted your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? So what's a book? As you sit with a massive wall of books behind you, pick one of those. Well, right now, I'm, I've got this in front of me. My friend John Mark Comer just released this brilliant book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It is excellent. And so I'll just give him oh, a, a plug there. We love, love John, John Mark. Mark. We just had him on a couple weeks ago to talk about it. Did you? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a great book, and if you haven't read it yet, it's fantastic. Okay. Uh, what was the next question? Next question is, uh, what's a habit that's changed your life? We may have already talked about it, but you can give a different one if you have one. Oh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a really fun one, rather than just saying the obvious stuff like prayer. <laughs> is um, In our family, throughout the kids' childhood, we've always had a, a, like a landline, a wireless landline. We spin the phone. Whoever's sitting around our meal table, we often have visitors with us. Often they're not Christians. We spin the phone. Whoever it points at gets two privileges. One is they get to ask a question of everybody at the table. The same question can be anything. And the other thing is they get to say grace. So what's fun about that is suddenly all the kids, grown-ups are interacting. And we've had questions on everything over the years from what's the naughtiest thing you ever did through the like where do you most wish you were in the world right now and it, it, it's it's a great way of getting visitors and your own kids interacting and also it's quite a fun way of getting non-christian visitors to have to pray because they have to say grace so there you go there's, <laughs> there's a fun little habit that anyone can do in their families and what was the third question what advice would you give to the younger pete sitting across from him what would you say to him oh i would definitely say chill out you know, I, I think I was always, I probably still am, over intense. And my wife plums the depths of shallow. She's gloriously funny, you know, doesn't want to like disappear into some deep sort of soul analysis. Uh, you know, when she was like facing the worst of her illness, it was the Bridget Jones movies that carried her through. That was God's gift to her. She watched Bridget Jones again and again and again. And she's been such a blessing to me in helping me understand intensity is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. Joy is. Mm, wow. What a lesson. That's so good. Drop the mic on that one. Well, Pete, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you, follow you, all that good stuff? Yeah, just come to 247prayer.com and uh, all that stuff is on there. And uh, do please check out the book. I'd love you to do that. How to Pray, Simple Guide for Normal People. Love it. Well, thanks again, man. What a great conversation. Guys, thank you each and every single week for showing up here. Your faithfulness truly is amazing. And we're so honored to get to take this journey with you every single week. As always, we would love to hear from you and how these episodes are impacting and influencing your life. You can hit us up at our website or leave us a review on iTunes. And of course, you can find us on social media. And you can find all the info for today's episode in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. All right, well, that's a wrap for this episode. Let's close it out like we do every single time, guys. Remember, you only get one life. Live, Live it well. well.